WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Hopefully your Thanksgiving was good. Maybe you still have a little bit of leftovers, you know, pie, turkey, whatever the case is. Uh, Today we are going to be, if all things go correctly, we're going to be talking with John Vincent. He is a senior editor, U.S. News and World Report. They always come out with lists. That's what they're sort of known for, and they came out with a pretty interesting list of Best Vehicle Brands for 2024. We'll be talking to him in a bit. And also, uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking to Wes Bowling from uh, Nokian Tire. We're also going to be talking to the president of Hemmings Motor News, Jonathan Shaw. And uh, so we have, and we're going to be talking to uh, Scott from Empire Car Covers coming up because a lot of people think about putting their cars away for the winter time, but right now joining us from uh, U.S. World News Report is uh, is uh, one of their editors, and uh, you know we we've talked with the folks from U.S. World News before about different things, but uh, it's it's always it's always fun when we get to talk to new people. And uh, John Vincent, welcome to the Car Doctor Program. Hello, how are you? Thanks Good. How are you? Well, thanks for thanks for being available on the Sunday after Thanksgiving and not, you know, being in some sort of apple pie coma or whatever happens to people after Thanksgiving. So, uh, I pulled I th- out of the uh, turkey coma yesterday. So uh, there, there you go. Um, you know, I think U.S. News is best known for compiling lists of different vehicles, and you guys come up with something uh, that I don't think I've seen before, and that's leading brands in the U.S., and you guys rank them. Can you kind of take us through that and, you know, maybe even how you came up with coming up with that, that idea behind it? So we've been doing uh, best vehicle brands for a number of years now, and um, we are a very research-based company. We don't just, you know, throw darts at the wall to figure out, you know, who has the best cars in every category. We look at the broad array of reviews out there um, written by um, – you know, automotive journalists from across the country. We look at the tenor of all those reviews, come up with a ranking for each car based on those reviews. And then for our best vehicle brands uh, awards, we look at how a brand does across all of its models. So uh, so when you're looking at all those things, and, and it must be hard these days to sort of find and and I've noticed it there seems to be sort of I don't know less opinion based reviews these days people don't seem quite as critical as they were 10 or 15 years ago so it must be so a little bit harder sometimes to to go through and find the ones that actually have a little bit of um criticism I guess besides you know it, it seems like everything you read sometimes everything's great and you know you and and let's face it you can tell when AI writes some of these reviews you see um, but it must be a little bit hard to try to filter through them all and find find stuff that is really got some got some weight behind it I guess that's that's very true but fortunately I work with some very very smart researchers um, US News has been doing research for a long time we use uh, reviews or I'm sorry, we use research for our college rankings, our travel rankings, 
everything we do. So we're really good at finding those relevant reviews that, that really mean something to consumers. Yeah, it, it really does. And, and in the past, we've had um, one of your former co-workers, Jamie Page Deaton, on the program a couple of times and, you know, going through, you know, how, you know, what she was doing with you folks. And I think you're both still on North American Car and Truck of the Year, right? Yes, we are. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit more. You know, we, we've kind of talked a little about the methodology. Um, tell us, tell us who, uh, who the best car brand is, I guess. Okay, so the best car brand, and for car brand, we're talking about just cars, not SUVs or pickups, mm-hmm. um, and that is Honda. Uh, Honda has a couple of cars left in their lineup, unlike some brands that have gone completely to SUVs, and those, those cars are fantastic. The uh, Honda Accord and Honda Civic both do very well in our rankings. They still sell hundreds of thousands of these cars a year. And I guess what's nice about you know whether it's an Accord or a Civic, you have some you have some varieties in there. You know, can do you want do you want the hybrid? Do you want the performance version of the Civic, for instance? So you have you have some variety of cars in there. But to know that they're the best car brand, and I guess that shouldn't be surprising because they've been such a good car for such a long time, and um, originally not necessarily a, a big car company back in the day and they started off sort of more of a you know an engineering company i guess so the idea they bring that engineering prowess you know through their lineup uh makes it makes it pretty special yeah they started off with motorcycles in the u.s and uh you know only made it to the u.s in the early 70s with cars and uh you know i i kind of remember the uh the you know some of the original honda dealers were sort of uh you know, almost a corner gas station guy, and you know some of those people, some of those dealers look back today and said, "I should have got more than one franchise." Tell us about SUVs. SUVs are so so popular these days. I mean, and like you said, in some cases, it's because it's the only thing available from a particular car company. Um, but what's the best SUV brand according to U.S. News? So the uh, the results on this category were interesting this year after. Uh Hyundai winning it several years in a row. Mazda uh, is the winner in, for 2024. Mazda has some new vehicles out, the CX-30, the CX-50, the CX-90, um, that they all have a little bit of Miata DNA in them, so they just drive better and crisper than most SUVs out there. So a little zoom-zoom in the uh, SUV brand? A little, little zoom-zoom under the hood. Yeah, and the, uh, you know, I drove, uh, it was probably a month and a half or two ago now, I drove the new CX-90, and besides being the biggest Mazda I've ever driven, uh, it was it was well put together and well thought out, uh, and I could see how, you know, that could be, you could see how that changed Mazda a little bit, and I think Mazda, like maybe Toyota, a smaller company that didn't make big changes and sort of refined everything a little bit at a time and came up with what is now kind of a classically good vehicles. Yes. Uh, which one did you drive? Did you drive the new inline six or the hybrid? The, the new inline six, which um, I, I was sort of, I was sort of interested that they were so proud of that. They actually put that on the fender, yep. you know, that it was an inline I, six. Yeah. That uh, I like that engine a lot. That it works really well in that vehicle. It really, it really does. And the the idea that um, you know, 
Mazda is one of those vehicles. I think when you when you sort of when you sort of look at it, like you pointed out, there's a little bit of Miata DNA in their vehicles, which makes it a little bit different. Why do you think Hyundai sort of fell out of that top ranking? I think uh, some of Hyundai's products are getting a little old, and um, you know, the, a little bit of the shyness off them. And Mazda has a little bit of fresher product out there. Yeah, and certainly the. Uh, their big SUV was everybody's choice for a couple of years when it first came out, and it was one of those vehicles that it was a, it was a great value. It was you know I think they started it you know or, or pretty well equipped at forty thousand dollars or so. Um, it was a great value. Everybody you know from you know your you know local corner you know enthusiast to consumer reports. Everybody loved that vehicle, and then you're, you we moved up to trucks and. Like SUVs, everybody seems to be selling a truck now, and there are a lot of varieties out there. There's probably no bad truck out there, but there are some that do better than others. Who who won the best truck brand? The best truck brand for 2024 is, is Ram, which is a surprise considering that the Ram 1500 is the oldest vehicle in the light-duty full-size segment. Well, I think um, Ram keeps their vehicles looking pretty contemporary they you know you look at you look at the you know any of the any of the ram trucks and i'm old so i'm going to call them dodge trucks still um but you you look at them and you go you know they don't look dated they still tend to look pretty contemporary they still look like it's this year whatever year it is that you're looking at and they've made those changes which i think certainly helps and the Ram trucks are some of the best riding pickups out there, and most people don't use trucks like trucks. They use them as just their first or second vehicle in their household, and you want something that's going to ride pretty well, and I think the Ram truck does that amazingly well. It does. With that independent rear suspension, it's fantastic. And um, Ram has also done a great job of updating their cabins throughout the years, throughout the generation. Um, They have one of the easiest, most powerful infotainment centers in the marketplace. It's called Uconnect. Um, works every time, which you can't really say for other uh, other systems. And they seem to have figured out that not everybody wants a touchscreen, and they they exactly. added some they added some buttons to it. And also, if you're somebody who does use a truck like a truck, whether it's you know whether it's uh, you know towing a, a boat or a camping trailer or a work trailer or a horse trailer, um, they still have that. That diesel is capable of towing, I don't know, it's the most powerful truck in the universe or something, right? Uh, you know, all the heavy-duty trucks can haul a ridiculous amount of weight to the point where you need a special license to operate them. <laughs> and and the idea that you can do that and you can do it in a truck that's that's comfortable, I think, is is really kind of a really kind of makes it special. Um, Luxury brands, as I was you know, looking through this um, this article a couple of years ago, luxury brands, I, I will say, kind of caught me by surprise with with your pick. I would say that it caught me by surprise as well. Porsche has won that award every year since we've had it until this year when Rivian, a startup electric uh, car company, won it. Uh, Rivian has two models, a very interesting lifestyle pickup and an SUV. 
And the pickup is kind of unique because it's it's it sort of reminds you of a Honda pickup a little bit. Um, it it is it's sort of a light dutyish pickup, but it has it has storage space in all kinds of places where you wouldn't expect to see it. Um, and like you pointed out, it, they they have uh, just the two models, and the two models are essentially similar. One's an SUV and one's a pickup, um, but. Um, like all electric cars, they're ridiculously fun to drive. Oh, they have the performance of a Porsche 911. It, it's it's amazing how quick they are. Um, and, and and pretty good pretty good range in a Rivian too, right? 250, 280 miles, something like that. Up to 400 uh, with the right battery pack. Oh, and and uh, like you said, you know, with the bigger battery, uh, zero to sixty in three and a half or four seconds, right? I think we may be a little under that. Oof. They're they're very quick, <laughs> and uh, they're still SUVs and pickups. So you know you're still throwing a lot of weight around, but they're they're quick. And um, you know you you look at you look at all these vehicles and sort of go through them all. Um, the idea that you know something something like a uh, a Rivian did this well and kind of stole it away from. You know, Mercedes, Porsche, uh, you know, any of the, you know, Lexus, any of the, you know, high-end luxury brands and did it as a, um, you know, a company that's not technically a car company. It's a tech company. I I would agree with you. It's, um, they've done a really good job. And it's, it's one of those companies that I hope survives in the long run. Uh, you you can you can only hope you know based on based on what they're doing and they're you know looks like they're coming out with a third model pretty soon and uh, you know we'll see we'll wait and see how electric vehicles go you know whether electric vehicles you know if you read some of the headlines today maybe the the uh, the, the glamour of electric vehicles has, has worn off a little bit it looks like vehicle manufacturers are backing off a little bit uh, whether it's you know whether it's uh, you know everything from Ford to you know, uh, Toyota, which wasn't which wasn't really in the market as an electric vehicle producer. But um, so, what else? What else did you glean out of this report that that continues to make it pretty interesting? Um, you know how certain vehicles performed, and you know maybe you know what you know you you had your top picks of vehicle manufacturers. What were the vehicles in that? range so sort of you know best luxury car were there sort of second and third place winners in there that are worth mentioning um i don't have that information about uh, who Mm -hmm. won the second and third but you know there are really no bad cars in the marketplace anymore and we did have one more award that we should talk oh uh, okay sure best best certified pre-owned brand award Oh, you know, certified okay. pre-owned vehicles are a way of getting the benefits of a new car with a warranty, but a price closer to a used car. And Lexus's um, L-certified certified pre-owned program uh, continues to win that award each year uh, because it has fantastic coverage. And it's on a Lexus, so you probably don't need the coverage anyway because Lexuses are going to run forever. But, um, you know, you have the security of that CPO backing when you buy a Lexus certified pre-owned car. Well, and that's, you know, the the whole certified pre-owned moniker is sometimes a little bit confusing for people because sometimes there's dealer certified, sometimes there's manufacturer certified, and sometimes you wonder, 
Did they really do anything to it, or do they just know that it's going to be a good car and we'll put a extended, you know, a longer warranty on it? So, kind of going through that, but like you pointed out, you're starting off with a Lexus, which uh, you know you have great quality there to start off with, and then adding in the extras. And you know, if you've been to some of these uh, these dealerships where the vehicle comes in, they do look like brand new cars when they come in, and a lot of times, they, if the cars you know, might have had a you know new set of tires put on it, and uh, in fact, I had a reader who just uh, wrote to me and said, you know, they just bought a certified pre-owned Lexus, and it came with. They looked under the hood, brand new battery, brand new tires, to try to make it so it's going to be as close to new as possible with the least amount of problems. A lot of uh, CPO cars, uh, certified pre-owned cars, are lease returns, and just due to the nature of leasing, people have to take care of those cars. People have to maintain those cars. People have to keep the mileage down on those cars. So they make great used cars. And if people want to read more about uh, the U.S. news um, reports and all of your lists and all, everything you guys compile, which you do such a great job of, um, how do people do that? Just go to usnews.com and click on the Cars tab. You'll find all our content. It We talk about more than just each car. We talk about how to buy cars, how to pay the right price. Um, we help you make that one of life's biggest decisions. And and I, I like the idea that you you don't sort of focus on one thing. It could be the best car for a teen. It could be the best car that you're sending your kid to college with. Uh, you guys you guys have put together some pretty interesting lists over the years, and uh, and 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 it's it's fun stuff to read, and it's educational, and it and it works. Thank you. We appreciate hearing that. All right. Uh, John, thanks for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning and joining us on the Car Doctor program. Thank you for having me on. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. That was John Vincent. He is editor of the U.S. News and World Report Cars section, and uh, you can read his stuff at U.S. News and Report. Com. I'm sorry I sort of stumbled over that, but we'll, we'll make sure we have the right thing for you. And uh, it is, uh, if you if you go to um, the listing for it, you can find it, and you can find all the great stuff. Why don't we take another break? I'm going to have a second sip of coffee, which is apparently I need. And uh, when we come back, maybe we'll talk to you about your car, your car problems, your Thanksgiving dinner, whatever you want to talk about. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Lines are open if you want to give us a call. My name's John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. The Company Theatre brings the most beloved fairy tale, Cinderella, to the stage this holiday season. The Tony Award-winning musical has delighted audiences for generations. Join Ella's magical journey as she discovers she has the power to create her own destiny. In the name of every girl who ever wanted to change the world she lived in, it's possible. Cinderella runs from Friday, November 24th until Sunday, December 17th. 
Visit companytheater.com for tickets or call 781-871-2787. This is my time. Hey guys, it's Lexi James. And we're Cryer Creek. Twilight Showcase Radio, hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James. Tune into Twilight Showcase Radio Sundays on 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase on Facebook. And visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tonight from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program. And it is, uh, the website is usnews.com, by the way. And if you click on usnews.com, like John Vincent said, go to the car section, and then you can find all kinds of stuff. And it's... uh, like they said, rankings driven by research, and they talk about it. It can be the 10 best hybrid SUVs. It can be uh, 10 best uh, SUV vehicles in general. They they have all kinds of different kind of stories and research and all of this stuff. So it's you know uh, you know stories about how to negotiate uh, the price of a car, car lease payment calculators on here. There's all kinds of good stuff. So check it out at US News. Dot com and then just click on the car section and if you don't want the car sections other stuff you can look at at US News and you know whether it's travel money health education real estate uh, there's all there's all kinds of stuff in here so you know best doctors best hospitals you know all kinds of good stuff so you can check it all out our phone number 781-837-4900 781-837-4900 if you want to join us on this uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving we'll love to talk to you and um some of the emails that came in this week, apparently someone's putting their, I, and I think they're from Marshfield, actually. They said they're putting their boat trailer away for the winter. They only use it a couple times a year, and they notice the lights aren't working. Uh, they say some work, some don't. Some don't work at all, ever. You know, what's wrong? And the first place to start is to make sure the issue isn't with the vehicle, the tow vehicle itself. So... You know, whether you have a flat four connector connection or you have that round seven pin connection, you know, if you have trailer brakes, um, you want to make sure that you have a good connection. I know I put a trailer hitch and trailer lighting set up on my little SUV, and rather than cut into wiring harnesses and all of that, um, there was a little box I bought for like 20 bucks, and it plugged into the harness and part of it plugged back into the rest of the harness and it was a wire that worked out to run the trailer lights so uh but like all trailer lights start at that connection usually the the open pin if it's a flat four style connection is the ground and you want to make sure you have a good ground old timey trailers a lot of times would use the trailer hitch as a ground they don't do that anymore most most trailers now are wired in in such a way that 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 open pin that pin that's not covered by any insulation is the ground and then you have a left right left and right turn signal plug and the third one is for the brake lights that light up all the brake lights so um check it with a test light and use an actual 12 volt test light don't use a don't use a voltmeter. And why I say that is, is especially a digital voltmeter. A digital voltmeter may show voltage, but it might not have enough impedance 
so it doesn't put enough stress on the system. So you can look at something with a voltmeter. And I remember learning this when I was at GM school years and years ago. That you know you look at you look at something with a voltmeter and you test it and you go, oh yeah, there's 12 volts there. And then you put a test light on it, but that 12 volts isn't enough 12 volts to light a light bulb. So use a simple 12 volt test light that will work. Kind of check the plug make sure everything's working the way it should if everything's working there the way it should then move to the trailer wiring itself uh in that case don't start piercing wires a lot of people do that sometimes they'll take their test light and jam it through the insulation even if you only use this trailer a couple times a year uh if it dips in the water it's going to cause more corrosion so don't do that um but in this case rather than start at the beginning i would start at the end and in most cases, I'll always say when you're troubleshooting something electric, start at the beginning. Start at the fuse box and work your way backwards. Uh, but in this case, I would start with probably the trailer lights themselves. Most lighting problems with trailers are corrosion in the in the uh, bulbs themselves, in the sockets. Depending on what you have, if you have LED lights or conventional bulbs, uh, usually you'll find that there's corrosion in there. My little boat trailer that I have has probably the cheapest trailer lights I've ever seen. And they are, um, they're open at the bottom. And I guess maybe that makes some sense when you dunk the trailer into the water and the trailer lights just fill up with water. But you would think that if you had the trailer lights hooked up and you put it in the water and stepped on the brake, it would burn out the bulbs immediately, which makes no sense to me. Which So I always unplug the trailer lights before I put it in the water, just in case. And um, But you can get corrosion in there. So, you know, check the bulbs, uh, see if they look rusted or corroded, then kind of work your way up from there looking for problems. But chances are the problem is either in if you have running lights or just the stop and turn signal um, lights in the back. And if you are going to decide if the sockets are all rusty, you know, replace them with a waterproof LED style. Uh, you'll get a lot more life out of them that way and something you should do. Uh, somebody else writes to me and they say they have a 2018 Camry with almost 90,000 miles on it. They recently had an oil change done and they said the pads on the front and the rear brakes were down to 3 millimeters. Should I have them replaced right away? Could I do the front and then the rear later? Try to save a little bit of money. This is the first time either set would be replaced. So they did really well, almost 90,000 miles on an original set of brakes uh, on a five-year-old Toyota Camry. So pretty good. Uh, new brakes, 10 to 12 millimeters. So at three, they're pretty low. It's funny, I guess, because I'm old. Um, you know, we never measured brakes in millimeters like that. And... You know, we just kind of look at them and go, oh, you know, you got another few thousand miles left or whatever the case is. But now they have um, these little tools. They're sort of kind of a little L-shaped tool. And you kind of stick it in between the brake pad and the rotor. And it's kind of a go-no-go gauge. So it's like, oh, this is two millimeters. This is three. This is four. This is five. And you, based on that, it gives you an idea. You know, if it's like, oh, it's six millimeters, brakes are half-worn, whatever the case is. Um, so depending on the driver, half-worn could be, in this case, you could get another 40,000 miles on them. Uh, somebody who goes through a set of brakes every 25 or 30,000 miles, you know, half-worn, you're only going to get another ten or 15,000. Uh, always better to replace brakes earlier than later. Um 
less damage to not just the brake rotors, which in these days pretty much get replaced every brake job, but um, you can also, you know, when you replace brake rotors, you can also look at, well, you know, is there anything else I need to think about uh, while I'm doing that, and why do I need to replace the brakes a little bit earlier? Well, if the brake calipers kind of the pistons extend out a little bit further you can run into just more rust and more corrosion uh fortunately we've done away with the idea of um cpr which is what people used to call it caliper calipers pads and rotors people are kind of being a little bit more reasonable as far as replacing calipers these days but rotors resurfacing them you don't get a, you don't get a lot of you don't get a lot of extra life out of them by resurfacing them. Although I saw something the other day on a YouTube video. So back to, you know, do you replace them front or rear? You know, how are you going to do it? Um, I would, if they're, if they're all at three millimeters, do them all now. It's going to save you time out of the shop. Um, it You know, is it going to save you money? Is it cheaper to do all four wheels than just front and rear? You might find it is. I mean, some shops might have a total package where they charge a little bit less, but chances are probably not. Um, you know, what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're getting good quality parts. They don't have to be the original factory part, but they need to be a good quality part, um, depending on how brakes are made. Uh, some brake pads are literally the friction material is glued onto the brake pad. Sometimes they're made on with like a mechanical fastener behind them so you want to make sure you have a brake pad that's made well same thing with brake rotors uh better quality rotors just going to last longer be less likely to uh, warp and distort due to heat so do them all at the same time uh change the brake fluid while you're doing it since you're going to be there you might as well do that at the same time as well that should be something that's done every uh, three or four years five years maybe i mean we never used to change brake fluid because we would you know, as we were doing brakes, you just kind of take care of it. Um, there was a there was an old time radio mechanic, uh, Brad Sears. If you you know, if you've been listening to the radio for a lifetime, you probably remember Brad Sears was on the radio. And one of the things he used to recommend, and I I kind of liked it, was he would recommend as far as brake fluids goes, you know, go get the equivalent of an industrial turkey baster. And suck out some brake fluid out of the master cylinder. Not enough so you get it down to empty, but just enough so you're putting, you know, two or three ounces of fresh brake fluid in, you know, at different times. So maybe when you do an oil change, uh, especially if you're doing it yourself, go out there with your little uh, turkey baster type thing and suck out a few ounces of brake fluid, put in some new brake fluid, uh, and then as you step on the brakes, brake fluid actually squirts back up into the master cylinder. So you're replacing some of that old fluid with new fluid every time you do that. And, you know, is it as good as flushing out the entire brake system? No. But is it a good preventative thing to do at oil changes? Sure. And if you're doing your own oil changes, if you're someone who likes to do that because either you feel a sense of accomplishment or you don't trust people to do it for you, uh, because I have seen some terrible oil change examples, including, I remember it was back in 1999, we bought my wife a Volkswagen, and we bought it at the local Volkswagen dealer. And I was standing there, well, I did the first oil change. 
or second, I did the second oil change. That's what it was. And because I think the first one they did for free or something. And so I did the second oil change. And the oil filter was on so tight I could barely get it off. I think I had to punch a hole through it to get it out. And the oil drain plug actually came out stripped. So fortunately, it didn't screw up the threads in the pan. And it's a pretty easy pan to replace, but it didn't cause any problems. So I just took a little pick and kind of just ran it around the threads inside the pan, went to the dealer, got a new oil drain plug, got a new oil drain plug gasket. It threaded in the way it was supposed to, so it worked the way it should. While I was standing there, I saw somebody doing an oil change. I saw them take out the drain plug with the same impact wrench that they used to take lug nuts off with. Now, granted the plug's coming out, not going back in, hopefully that way, uh, but the idea that you would use a impact gun to take out an oil drain plug just is just is an idea you're going to have a problem. So, you know, maybe that's why you do your own oil changes, because you don't trust somebody. Uh, our little family cars we have here, um, my Hyundai, uh, I tend to do my own oil changes because it's easy. Uh, the oil filter is uh, sits straight up and down. Easy to get to. There's a little access cover you pop off to get to it. The oil drain plug is the same way. Uh, I have a you know, set of Harbor Freight plastic ramps that I bought this year. So I could drive up in it and kind of crawl under there. Pretty easy to do. Uh, I use the Hyundai factory oil filter because I like the Hyundai factory oil filters. They don't seem to cause any problems. And you can buy them online in the Hyundai packaging for 5 or $6 a filter. So they're cheaper than buying some of the... Uh, some of the filters from the big box stores. So, And I tend to use a good quality oil in the car because this engine in my car has had its share of problems. Uh, if you own a Hyundai from, I don't know, 2013 to 18, uh, some of these engines have had problems where they've had everything from connecting rod failure due to bearing issues to oil consumption issues. Uh, mine doesn't, mine's five years old now, haven't seem to have that problem yet but recently uh i worked with a listener reader former co-worker who uh, ended up with a new engine in his vehicle because it was going through so much oil issues and i worked with him and hyundai to get that resolved um hyundai is fairly responsive once you get to the right person uh like a lot of companies their customer service is handled by a third-party vendor so sometimes they can only say what they can say. Uh, but once you get to the person who can actually make the decisions, some things, some things go a little bit better. Uh, one more question. And again, our phone number is 781-837-4900. And I expected phones to be quiet today, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And um, not quite blustery out, but people probably out trying to get some stuff done. They're returning home, wherever they came from. Uh, but someone said... I don't know if you've covered this in the past, but it's my understanding the 3.5-liter V6 engine that is in early Ford Edge vehicles or Ford Explorers, and this one is a 2011, have had a water pump issue. When the pump goes bad, it ends up destroying the engine. Since the pump is internal, the cost of replacing is very costly and not for the home mechanic. My question is, the water pump issue, is that the only issue on the V6 engines? And um, if so, how can I find out if my vehicle is one of them? Um, you can't, really. That's the issue. 
um, it's a 12-hour job and to do the water pump on this because the water pump is driven by the timing chain. I'm not sure who thought that was a brilliant idea at Ford, but it sounds like it might have been a good idea, but it really wasn't. Um, what can happen is the water pump can leak, and that was really common on some models, and basically the chain tensioners and guides also break. So the power, the timing chain breaks, the water pump goes bad, all kinds of things go bad, and um, then you end up with problems. On newer models, they had the same design, but they switched to something a little bit more robust design in the water pump. Uh, at this point, all you can do is change, you know, change the coolant when it's needed, do the oil change on a regular basis, and, you know, check the pump periodically for noise and leaks is about all you can really do uh, to know that, you know, it's going to work the way it's supposed to. So, that's about it. Let's see, one, one more, only because I like this one. It says, when people talk about hybrid cars, they mention only the positive things. Uh, are these cars all as good as they say they are? Uh, could you enlighten us on what are some of the negatives of owning a hybrid vehicle? Hmm. Hybrid vehicles, well, they cost more than their non-hybrid counterparts. So you've got to pay a little bit more. So even with the better fuel economy, it's going to take longer to pay off your initial investment. Um, AAA has a good uh, cost per mile guide where you can look and see, like, if you compared, I, I just remember looking at a gasoline, I think it was a gasoline Kia versus a hybrid Kia versus a battery electric Kia. Over the first five years, they're all about the same. All cost per mile was about the same because you pay a little bit more. Um, and you pay more for the car, so the cost per mile, depreciation, all that stuff all ends up being about the same. So you're going to pay more. Uh, you're going to get better fuel economy. Um, the other part of it is getting hybrids repaired, although we're seeing more and more repair shops that are not shying away from hybrids and plug-in hybrids and even better electric cars. Not every repair shop's up to full speed if there's some kind of problem with them. Uh, so that could be, you know, where you bring the car for service. You may be going back to the dealer all the time, depending on what's wrong. If it's just things like brakes and regular servicing, brakes, struts, suspension, uh, you can go and get that done. Um, also, it's a little tricky on the resale value. I mean, typically a hybrid battery is going to last at least 10 years. Although one of our listeners has a hybrid escape, the battery is bad on it. Um, they have replaced the battery. Uh, they found somebody who would put a remanufactured battery in for, I think, $4,000 rather than the fifteen or 20000 the dealer wanted. Uh, but the, the car still has some problems. And it's got some weird code issues coming up. Um, so they're still in a little bit of a uh, tizzy about what to do with the vehicle. And that can be one of the things, as that vehicle gets older, you go to trade it in. And the trade-in could suffer because someone might say, well, I can't give you much for this car because the battery is nearing the end of its useful life. Although when that battery, when that battery hybrid car ends up on the lot, it might be a different story, like, oh, the battery in this is only 10 years old. You've got plenty of life left in it. So it's kind of that we buy junk, we sell antiques kind of thought. Uh, but, you know, cars are a personal choice. You know, you have to find the right car that fits your needs, your wants, your budget. So if you can find a vehicle that works for you, uh, 
Uh, I think it was um, one of the Motopress guys I was talking to ended up buying a hybrid. And, yeah, he paid a little bit more for it, but he's saving about, you know, 30% on what he was paying for gasoline um, over, you know, what he was in his previous SUV. So that hybrid is, you know, giving him 36 miles per gallon where his old vehicle was, you know, in the in the low 20s. So he's making it up in fuel economy. Uh, and depending on where you drive and how you drive, you know, once COVID happened, I used to drive, I used to fill my car every third day. So I would never run it down to empty, but I would run it down to a quarter of a tank. And I would fill up my car every th- three days because I was driving 100 miles round trip. So usually by the third day, I was down to a quarter of a tank of gas and I would fill up either kind of on my way home from work or, you know, on my way to work before I got there on the third day. And, you know, gas was costing me a lot. Then COVID happened and I was putting gas in my car like once a month, maybe. And now that I'm sort of semi-retired and I only work for AAA 15 hours a week and I never, ever go into the office. You know, I still only put, I don't really go that far. So with the exception of, you know, driving here to Florida for the winter, where I put gas in my car sometimes twice or three times a day, um, because we would drive, we would drive about mm, 600 or 700 miles, maybe 600 miles, you know, per day. So my car's on a good day has a range of about 340 miles. Um, I would you know, fill up before we took off. When we got to, you know, about a quarter of a tank, fill up again. And then by the time we ended up at a hotel, would fill up that night. So we're starting the day with a full tank of gas. So, but other than that, I I think once I have gotten to Florida, I don't think I filled up my tank. And because of that, I tend to add a little bit of fuel stabilizer to my car because the car's going to, the fuel's going to sit in there for a month. Is it necessary? I was talking to one of my neighbors. He's a marine mechanic from Maine. He's not a big believer in fuel stabilizer. He's a bigger believer in, you know, use, you know, if it's a, if it's a boat, for instance, use ethanol-free fuel. But if not, he's not a big believer in it. And, and I, I like this guy a lot. We agree on a lot of things, but I kind of disagree on that because whenever I've not used fuel stabilizer in things like snowblowers, lawnmowers, chainsaws, not as much on two-cycle stuff, but... Um, on regular four-cycle gasoline stuff. I've, when I've not used it, I've had problems. When I have used it, I've never had a problem. Uh, Depending on what kind of thing it is, I will tend to just add the fuel stabilizer, let it run for a little, let it swish around inside there, and it's all good. Um, I I have an old Honda lawnmower that basically came out of a junk pile, and I'll... I put fuel stabilizer in that. It has a gasoline shutoff on the carburetor, so you can turn it off and let the carburetor run dry. And I have mixed feelings about that because one of the reasons it was in a junk pile is it didn't run. And I took the carburetor off of it, and the inside of the carburetor was all rusty. Now, was it rusty because the root beer-colored fuel that was in there was a problem? Or was it rusty because someone actually shut the fuel off and moisture got inside the carburetor bowl and caused rust. I'm not quite sure. Why don't we take another break? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on uh, 95.9 WATD, but you probably already knew that because 
you're the one who turned the radio on, or you told your smart speaker to listen to WATD. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. We're not happy unless you're happy. Hi, I'm Sheldon Stewart of Stewart Painting, and that's been our promise for over 35 years. If we paint your home, it's going to be a great experience. We do every job right, on time, and we stand behind our work. We have thousands of lifetime customers. That's because we are committed to delivering a top-notch job every time. There are not many sure things in life, but hiring Stuart Painting to paint your home is a sure thing. That's because we live by the Stuart Painting promise. We're not happy unless you're happy. To schedule your free estimate, call either of our Hingham or Hyannis offices, or to receive a virtual quote, visit us online at stuartpaint.com. Send us a video of your project and receive your estimate within 24 hours. That's stuartpaint.com. And remember, Stuart Painting. Expect the best. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Tis the season for trivia on 95.9 WATD. Test your knowledge of Noel and win fabulous prizes to stuff your stockings this Christmas. Listen for the cue from Eddie the Elf, beginning this Friday through December 15th, and be the 12th caller to answer Tis the Season trivia. Correct answers win gift cards from one of our contest's wonderful sponsors. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas at the station that packs the presents, 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. Let's talk to Tom. Tom, good morning. Tom? Are you there? I am. Good. How's it going? Good. How about you? Good, thank you. So you are going to Florida? I am in Florida. You already are here. already. I, yeah, already. Good here. man. How was the trip down? It was. Uh, it was uneventful. Although Ooh. my wife says that her ideal way to do this would be that I leave on a Monday, she gets on a plane on a Wednesday, and I pick <laughs> her up, and I pick her up at the airport on the way by. I like that. <laughs> yeah. She she has never been a road trip person. And the idea of spending, you know, eight, nine, ten hours in a car at a time, and we break it up. We do we do it over three days, but still, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's 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 a lot of time behind the wheel, and uh, you know, maybe in like a you know fancy luxury car it would be a little bit better, but you know, and we did it this time. We went kind of uh, across the top of New Jersey down through Pennsylvania, so we didn't take the standard Route 95 route, which was. Uh, which was less hectic, and even though it adds an hour or so to the drive, it feels it feels better at the end of the day. Although it's funny, on the second night, so we had been in the car for uh-huh. okay, I don't know how many you know how you know a thousand miles, you know, and um, and we were looking for a hotel, and I must have asked my wife three times when I'm looking on my phone trying to find a hotel, what town are we in? Because by then my mind just didn't want to work anymore. 
You know, it's, yeah. I, I was fine for driving, but I wasn't so fine for trying to think. So, which probably meant I wasn't fine for driving either. That's why you need to stay on 95 so you can see uh, Cuckoo Charlie's and Looney Louie's and south of the border. You know where you are. That's right. That's right. And yeah. I've never, I, I've never been to south of the border. Although I keep saying every time I either come to Florida or leave Florida, I would like to go to the Don Garlitz, uh Drag Race Museum because oh, I drive yeah. right, I drive right by it. And you know, Don Garlitz is like ninety something years old now. You know, how much longer is he going to be around? And uh, but he still has arms that look like Popeye. Well, that's something. Yeah, he, yeah, he's he's still a pretty pretty amazing guy. And I got to meet him. Uh, a bunch of years ago, he was at an event where I was, and mm-hmm. he was some kind of he was like guest speaker or something. And he came over and he was interested in what was going on, and a really nice guy. And and uh, you know, I remember you know I remember talking to him. He said, you know, someday we're gonna we're gonna break three hundred miles an hour out on a, out on the drag strip, and now they do it every single day. You know, three hundred wow, miles okay. three hundred miles an hour on and they don't even go a quarter of a mile anymore. They only go a thousand feet. They shorten up the quarter mile drags to a thousand feet and uh you know, the speeds and the the the, the vehicles are, are ridiculously impressive. And we'll have to have uh we'll have to have Brian Loans on. Brian Loans is a local guy from my old town in Abington where, you know, now he's the NHRA uh announcer at uh, all you know for fox sports and he was just on some big event where it looked like the oscars and uh he was the mc and um uh, and it had to be i don't know it looked like there was five thousand people in the audience so we'll we'll see if he we'll see if yeah, we get, him on, nice get him on the pro yeah you'll get him on the program and talk to him i got a question so what's, about a lawnmower absolutely how often should we change oil on a lawnmower and do you recommend stay bill, or do you recommend just let the gas run out I, and then put I, fresh gas in? Or I, I'm, I'm worried gonna, about the gaskets drying out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm old-fashioned. I put stable in. I put fresh gas and stable in. And, um, and I try to use, you know, I don't want to use the same gas that, you know, I've been using all summer out of the gas can. And even though I will, you know, uh, you know I like most people, you know, I had a, you know, gas can and i would add you know you know i'd I'd fill it up a couple times over the summer but i would add stable to that just in case because you know you know the gas can picks up moisture and you know so forth but um like i said i would always whenever i didn't use stable i always ran into a problem so i always tend Mm. to use stable. i always tend to use stable or something like that and i and i also tended to use the um the marine stable the blue one and i I absolutely I'm absolutely convinced there's probably nothing different in it other than it's blue. They probably had food coloring, but you know, it's supposed to be better for ethanol fuel. But um but I I'll I'll tend to use that one. And the other thing is as far as oil changes, it's funny when you know, I you know, for people who listen to this program knew that for 40 odd years I lived in Abington and I had the same little tiny house in Abington and we, you know, yeah. we moved to our little right. beach cottage. Um, but our little tiny house in Abington, I was getting it ready. Uh, I think it was just in the fall and I was, you know, raking up leaves and mowing the lawn la- one last time. And I had my lawnmower that I had for 20 odd years, started it up, ran, and there was this one pile of leaves I kind of wanted to mulch up to rake into a uh, rake into sure. a tarp to drag it into the woods. And uh, I started up the lawnmower. I ran partway across the leaves, and the, the lawnmower literally broke the rod and threw it through the side of the block. So I'm like, oh, jeez, oh, jeez. So 
I, you know, went to I went down the street to Lowe's in Abington, and they only had, you know, it was the fall. It was probably Thanksgiving time, and they had like one lawnmower left on the shelf, and it was a, you know, Lowe's has the Craftsman brand, so I brought it right. home, and yeah, and uh, I'm reading the directions, and it says it's not necessary to change the oil in this. And I'm like, what? What do you mean it's not necessary to change the oil in it? And according to their owner's manual. Yeah. It says it said just add oil as necessary, and I'm like, how can that be good for an engine, especially a little engine that works hard like that? So I would I would always, I'm and you a, only use it like six times a season. Well, when you think about it, yeah, you don't use it a lot, but but no. I would I don't like leaving dirty oil in something that sits. So I would always tend to the last mow of the season. I would tend to change the oil and then put fresh oil in it. And, you know, for, you know, it takes three-quarters of a quart of oil, so it's not expensive. Right. And yeah. and I would, you know, usually end up using synthetic oil, and people are like, why do you use synthetic oil? I'm like, usually it's left over from changing oil in the car or something. So, right. Um, so I would use synthetic oil. And I'm like, besides, it's not expensive, and, you know, it's, you know, you Go to Walmart, buy their synthetic oil, which yeah, actually, yeah, right. which actually gets tested out as doing better than some of the premium oils. So and um, their filters also, yeah, yeah. So um, they did so a go, test yeah, in the Fram. Yeah, um, so go and you know go and uh, you know. Although it's funny, I think Fram is sometimes referred to as the orange can of death. Um, which I don't know that I believe that because I use frame fill, you know I use them for a long time. But uh, you know the you know if you watch some of the popular YouTube guys, you know uh, the, you know the the uh, rust rescue guy or whatever vice grip garage guys always taking off uh, you know different oil filters and putting Wix filters on, which me- leads me to believe Wix must somehow sponsor his program. But mm-hmm. um, but and that's fine. Wix is a good filter. But um, but yeah, you know, do that. So even like um, we have we have our you know old Volkswagen that I paid you know a thousand dollars for four years ago down the Cape that we leave there for the winter time, and that car was only supposed to last a year, maybe two at the most, because we were going to decide: do we really need an extra car? My wife likes having the extra car, so we still sure. keep it. But even yeah. that car. Um, before I put a car cover over it and checked everything under the hood, I changed the oil. And that one I bring someplace to change the oil because I can't get under it. It's so low to the ground. I can't get my ramps under it. And, you know, it's, I end up having to put planks down to get the front tires a little higher off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. To get, to get it up over the ramps because it has sort of sagged with age. So, Mm -hmm. um. So I end up bringing it somewhere, and I said to the guy at the repair shop, and it's this little repair shop in Dennis where I live called, I think it's Dave and Don's or Don and Dave's or something. And uh, I went there, and I said, uh, do you have my records from last year? Because he says to me, oh, yeah, I, we noticed you got a CV booth that's starting to leak a little bit. And I said, yeah, it was leaking last year. I said, how many, uh, how many miles on this since last year? And he looks at it and he says, well, you were here just almost exactly a year ago. And I said, how many miles? And he takes out his little calculator and he figures it out. And he goes, uh, you've been 980 miles with this car. And I said, in a year? And he goes, yep, 980 miles in a year. 
And he and he looks at me, he goes, no point in fixing that CV boot then. And I said, no, not at all. I said, but he said, you know, most people wouldn't change the oil. And I said, yeah, I know, but it gets driven such short distances and the oil's got to be contaminated. And I don't want to leave contaminated oil in the car and let it set for, you know, two, three, four, five, six okay, months. Okay, good point. So, yeah. so same thing with the lawnmower. You know, if you put fresh oil in it before you put it away for the wintertime, mm-hmm. your lawnmower's going to like you for it. Sounds good. Unless you bought this Craftsman one, which doesn't have a drain plug, so you can't change the oil, which I thought was the dumbest thing ever. And you can tip it upside down and dump yep. the oil out of it. Yeah, has to tip yep. his upside down. Mine yep. has a drain plug. Yeah, yeah. So the, easy enough. The, the new owners of my house, maybe they're still using a lawnmower because I left them the lawnmower, the snowblower, the weed whacker, the leaf blower. And hopefully they, hopefully all that stuff is still working for them. So. No, usually I put the... Um, Stay built in, you know, run the gas down, and then yep. I put the stay built in, and I run a little bit just to get the stay built in the gas line, too, right. and then right. to yep. in a bowl and yep. everything else also. Yep, yep. No, that's why I don't like I don't like the little Honda mower that I have, which, like I said, came out of a junk pile. Um, that has a fuel shutoff on it, and when you shut mm-hmm. it off, I always worry the inside of the bowl is going to get rusty and dirty so right hey right. hey that music okay. means we need to go and right. uh thanks thanks Have for calling in all right you as well take care bye bye that music means we need to go until next week make sure you wear your seatbelt drive safely be good to your car and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road slow down or move over it saves lives talk to you all next week bye bye <laughs>